Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Hari Kondabolu. He is a stand-up comedian that is praised as one of the most exciting political comics in stand-up. And he's just released a brand new comedy special, Vacation Baby, which is available now for worldwide viewing on YouTube. Welcome, Hari. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So tell us off the bat how old you have one child. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. He's almost three years old. This August, he'll be three. Oh, gosh. Well, (laughs) an excellent time of year to be born. We we greet you from the future and we think of you with all respect and um, thoughts and prayers, really, because three is three the hardest age. I think it might be. It's up there. If I had to pick like three top hardest (laughs) ages between zero and 18, Mm -hmm. three would definitely rank. It would make the top three, I'm saying. Well, I was told that, obviously, two is the historic terrible twos. And so I was like, oh, nice. we're almost done with two. And then I was told, no, three is the hard one. So I'm like, oh, then. <laughs> we, we really shouldn't tell people this because terrible twos has gotten a reputation. Yeah. And then you start Googling when they're like three and two months because you're like, what's going on? Yeah, I yeah. was told the twos were terrible. And then everything you read is like, oh, threes are much, much worse. And I think that they keep that information back because if people knew, yeah. they would be horrified. What is it about three? <laughs> they're more intellectual, so they're like better at the game, <laughs> but they still have all the stupidity of two. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like AI becoming sentient. It's like a two-year-old yeah. becoming sentient yeah. and evil. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I think a three-year-old <laughs> is. Yeah, so so now he can speak in complete sentences. That's it. He's clever enough to like throw it back, even if it doesn't always make sense. He'll ask why a lot more, and you won't have answers. Right? Yeah, he's worked out his material. It's yeah. not new material at no, this point. No. He's, he's very polished. It. He's got a polished and set. He's probed your weak spots a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Like he's tested it out. It's nothing but trouble. Here's my first question for you. Do you mind telling us your son's name? Sure. His name is Arjun. Arjun. Oh, my daughter's friend's name is Arjun. And I ask because in the special, you do this hilarious extended part about choosing a name for your child. Yes. And how the unwanted input that you might get from some third parties, including grandparents. Can you tell us about that? I was told by friends way too late don't share like your name ideas with your family or friends because everyone has thoughts 
And it was like, I wish you had told me this several months ago because it's already been done and everyone yeah. does have their thoughts. And, you know, and at the end of the day, it like really doesn't matter. Like you both have to be comfortable with it. But it's so difficult when all of a sudden you see a face or, oh, really? OK. You know, like it, it just yeah. kind of throws <laughs> off. I felt really good about this until this moment. And, you know, so I asked my mom for names and all her suggestions were like Indian names, which is fine because I wanted an Indian name personally. But like. You know, the key thing I said is just it's okay if they're like super Indian names, just make it so people have a chance of pronouncing them. Like give people <laughs> the ability to figure it out, like like something. And she was coming up with names like Shatrugan and, and Giridhar. And I'm like, this is not you're in a world that's way far from I'm like I said accessible in this country. And I'm not like one who like is super like I want it to be a name like Jay or something that's really, you know, that works in both languages and that is, you know, is easy to pronounce. Like I'm not into that because I feel like, you know, a name should have meaning and you shouldn't restrict yourself. And at the same time, I'm right. like, you know, let's cap it at three syllables <laughs> at the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. like, at, can We're we agree to that. We're both Irish, and the Irish oh, name God. is always like it's C L O I E U I E L O U, and it's pronounced Claire. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. I think we should just go with C L A R E. You know, yes, right, right. but that's right. We definitely have that. Yeah, Amy yeah. has done this in her own life. She has chosen the name with 86 vowels. Unpronounceable and, yes. and absolutely beautiful, as all uh, traditional names are, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's exciting. I mean, when back in the day, when I was growing up, my kids howl when I show them like my eighth grade class photo. And it's like, yeah. Pat, Billy, Bobby, Pat, Pat, Pat. Jeff and Pat, like they just had, there were four names. <laughs> yeah, like you were legally allowed to pick four names. Yeah, right. Didn't have yeah. to commit. What were you assigned? Right, right. Yeah, like an English royal, you could just keep naming. Right. Yes, exactly. And I, and I think that was true. I mean, I grew up in a homogenous place, but I think for boys more than for girls, it was sort of like you got to keep your margins really tight. And now I feel like, thankfully, those days are over, and my kids' names and my kids' friends' names, like they're definitely the only. Only one. Is your kid Arjun? Is he so far the only Arjun wherever he goes or not quite? You know, it's different in like New York. Like right now. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I think he has a classmate whose brother is Arjun. You know, so it's not like I wouldn't say it's like a Steve, but it's more like <laughs> or, or like mm. a Greg. It's like an Aaron, I guess. Mm. Do you know okay. what I mean? Like fair. Not everyone's named Aaron, but you'll, you'll meet an Aaron. I think. It, yes. I think it's in that world. It's definitely not a Steve or a Robert or a Greg or something. It's like, ah, eh, everybody has that name. It's funny because that was my dream name. Arjun was my dream name. That was the name I wanted from, like, Go. And it was the first name I suggested when we knew we were pregnant. And it was shot down immediately. And mm. Wait, by who? By my, my partner. Yeah, she, she mm. wasn't into it. Oh, by it. your partner. Okay. So we went through every <laughs> that's single usually, vote. I mean, that's usually the only veto vote. That was like, and it was like, ugh, all right. So then we, we didn't know the gender initially. So we had like a million girls' names that we liked and like three boys' names that were like passable. So it was, and then we found out it was a boy. So then we were going through every name from as many cultures as possible. And she's Italian and Puerto Rican. So we're thinking Italian mm. names or like, you know, names with Spanish heritage or like like different Indian names. And we just kept going and going. And then maybe a month out, you know, I said, uh, what do you think of Arjun? And she's like, yeah, yeah, let's put that. And it, I'm not sure if she remembered she had rejected it or whether 
we went through every name you could possibly go through and it was like back on the table. But that was the one that like friends and family were also into. Like, Interesting. First of all, two things. One, it's like the SAT, right? Go with yeah. your first guess. Because <laughs> right. that's what they say, like your first guess, and then you go around, you change it later. Your first guess was correct. I right, think right, that's right. right. That's what we did with all of our kids. I was like, how about this name? I will say my husband is a go-along, get-along guy. He was like, that's fine. I could have suggested it. That's not true. I tried to get a Finbar, and he did draw the line at Finbar. He was like, I'm not having <laughs> a kid named Finbar. Like Finn? And it's another Irish. Go it's an Irish name. It would be Finbar. short to Finn, I'd imagine, right? It's Finn, yeah. yeah. And so I wanted a Finbar. He would not go with Finbar. He was like, <laughs> I don't understand what that even is. It doesn't sound like a name. It sounds like a strange thing you yell when you hurt yourself. It sounds like <laughs> something made of chocolate, yeah. Yeah, Finbar, yeah. In a board game when yeah. you like get five in a row. <laughs> Finbar! Finbar! Right, yeah. No, he wouldn't go with Finbar. But the other thing is, yes, like people... Definitely with names, they will say insane things about a name that you chose. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, that's a serial killer name. And, and then if you choose that name for the rest of your life, you're looking at them at the family reunion being like, you're the one who thinks my kid's a serial killer. And they probably don't even remember saying it, but everybody's got something to say. But if, but nobody would say like, I think that name that you chose, like I would never have the conversation now and be like, that sounds like a serial killer's name that you chose for your kid. Of course not. But it's when it's theoretical, people just have license to say whatever they want. Well, this one, like, I will preface this by saying that she's a 20 something comedian. She asked what my kid's name was. And my kid at this point mm -hmm. is like one something. And I told right. Arjun, and she's also South Asian. And she's like, oh, I don't think I can say this on this podcast. So I'm trying to find another way to phrase what she said. <laughs> now we're very intrigued. You better find another way. Yeah. So basically, she's like, oh, Arjun, that's like an F boy name. And I'm like, mm, I'm what? like, what? He's like, yeah, you didn't know that? And I'm like, no, I'm almost 40. I'm 40 now. And you're like, what, 17? Technically, you're 25, but you're 17. Mm. So, like, you're telling me it was such a like, here's a bit of advice. Do not ever say anything negative about a child's name to the parent. Ever. Not when they're one. Not when they're like not when walking they're around. <laughs> not when they're born. If it's theoretical, again, it's borderline. But when they're in the world, you're Is done. that really such a... That might be kind of a compliment. I mean, it, it would be at least like that's meant to be the an attractive person's name. I don't know. Your son has... His name has a reputation for being a philanderer. No, not for a your good looking, child, I think. Like, <laughs> handsome would have been... But I'm like, why would you say that to me? It's one of those moments where you see the difference between like someone who like has friends who are parents and has gone through the process or seen friends go through the process of picking names and somebody who like has absolutely no connection to that world whatsoever. Well, and it's completely disconnected. Yeah. As I used the phrase, no one would do this. I forgot to put the asterisk. Over right. the yes, of correct. It's just so funny just because it's like, I don't think I understood that adulthood for me really started with having the kid. Yes. And it's funny because up to that point, I really felt like an adult. I'd pay for everything. I live by myself. You know, I have a, a stable career. I, you know, I'm this, this and this. And then you realize, oh, no, you're an adult when you're not number one anymore. Mm -hmm. When there is some mm -hmm. like she could have said anything to me and I would have been fine about me. 
the second she mentioned my kid's name in any way, I was like, this person is no longer on the list of people <laughs> in my life that I care about. Dead Immediately. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about the dividing line between adulthood before parenthood and adulthood yes. after. We'll take a quick break. We're talking to Hari Kondabolu. He is the host of the new comedy special, Vacation Baby. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to seeing optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. 
That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. So, Hari, I'm curious about adult life before kids and after kids, particularly in the comedy world, which Margaret and I both sojourned there for a while, becoming (laughs) parents ourselves, maybe not as recently as you have. It is not a... I was going to say a child-friendly space. It's just not a kid-having space for a large part. Did you find that? Were you first among your friends in some ways? It immediately changes how your colleagues and the audience views you. The second you talk about having kids, let's say on stage, you have a bunch of people that don't have kids, right? Mm -hmm. It's funny. The 20-somethings are more in the perspective of the child, Mm -hmm. right? Because even if I'm talking about a three-year-old, that is closer to their experience and being a parent, you know, and they'll say, you know, my sister has a kid. I'm like, it's not the same thing. (laughs) Like, it's not the same thing. Or God forbid, they'll say, no, I have a dog and it's like my baby. And you're like, I, every time I hear that, if you want to call yourself a furry daddy or a furry mommy, that's (laughs) perfectly fine. But when you make the direct comparison, if something happened to my kid, God forbid, I'm not immediately going to an orphanage and looking for another one. Do you know what I mean? Like, if something happened to my kid, I'm no, nor do you tie your child outside with a bowl of food when you want to go out for the night. You know, it's just, there's very few comparisons. Oh, yeah, because they, he would be taken from me. He would be removed (laughs) from my custody. Like words like custody aren't even used with pets. Like you can't make the comparison. I can't leave my two year old home alone or like put him in a cage while I'm gone. (laughs) When I I have to pay for a ticket when I put him on a plane, I'm not going to put him in a cargo bin. Like, what are you talking about? It's not the same thing. (laughs) I mean, every time I hear that, like it's similar maybe for the first year when the kid is basically, there's very little communication, the kid's pooping and crawling, and is basically like every little baby animal. But as soon as the mm. kid is starting to put some thoughts together, it's like, we're out of that. <laughs> and I'm also going <laughs> to no have longer. to stop you as the um, mother and say, <laughs> tell me, you tell don't me. feed your pets from your own body. Fair. Yeah. So still that not that fair. similar. <laughs> not even that similar. But from the parent, like you're holding this little thing, you're delicate, you're... Sure, it's a lot of petting and cooing when they're a baby, yes. Yeah, and there is, like, intellectually, you're not as worried about what you say. There's a bunch of stuff that with a dog, you're just going to say whatever, it's the dog. (laughs) Like, the accountability is very different. Like, if something happened to your dog... You get another dog, people might be, oh, it's a bad pet owner. Something happened to your kid, you're a terrible human being. Yeah. 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 Like, it's so different. If your kid does something, you're a terrible human being. If your kid does something, <laughs> like, as a single person, you ha- if your friend did something, you're not a bad person. Right. If your dog does something, do you get another dog? That one gets put down. <laughs> With your kid, it doesn't work that way. Kid does something. Like, Jeffrey Dahmer's parents could have been perfectly good parents, but can you actually say they were great parents? It's unfair. No. They could have done everything by the book. They could have done everything. Every bit of therapy, and at the end of the day, kid ate people. <laughs> That's the end of the story. It's an indictment. Frankly. So at what point did you bring Hari, your kid and parenthood into your act? Did you feel like, uh, I'm not connecting with audiences once I start talking about this? Or was it? did you connect with certain people? How did it feel? I definitely felt like when I was doing shows where it was just me, mm-hmm. I had enough time where I could build a rapport with the audience. And definitely the demographic that's my age 
felt even more connected to me because mm. they're going through the same things, whether it's trying to having a kid or there's just more there. And for younger people, I feel like if you have 10 minutes to win a crowd over and you're giving them a limited amount of things, they don't really know you. Mm. So they're going to resonate with what's in front of you immediately or they don't and they move on to the next person. When you're doing an hour, you have time to build that. So even if they can't relate initially, you're building a story, right. you're building a relationship with them. And so even if they don't have kids, they'll start to get into the idea. This person has kids here, their feelings about kids. And when they start talking about kids later in the set, I've already connected with them, had some experience with them. And it's a different dynamic. But it's still it's not the easiest thing in the world. And certainly, you know, I feel my age a lot more when I talk about having a kid mm -hmm. and being in a relationship that's serious and all the things that come with that, like adult problems. You know, these are adult problems. And when I was, you know, single and definitely when I didn't have a kid, there was just a certain like I didn't have to walk them past a certain point to understand something. Right. We were all pretty much on the same page. Right. Because like what we're paying rent's high, you know, <laughs> but it's not like, do you realize how expensive daycare is? Do you realize <laughs> right. that's how much we paid for college? Like that is out of the realm. You're of like, money. no, I don't. I'm at a comedy club at 11 p.m. I definitely don't know how much daycare costs. Yeah. Or like, why are you asking me to do a stand-up set on a Wednesday at 10 p.m.? <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to do that. I have a child. <laughs> Even if you're asking me to do a set during the weekday, somebody has to watch the kid. I got to check in with my partners. I can't. Can, can you let me know in the next day whether you can do the? No, I got to ask my partner. I got to see what her schedule is. I got to figure out if we can have child care. And then I got to figure out if, if I have to get a babysitter. Is $50 an hour Enough to justify the $10 you're about to pay me for 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Yes. These are things that don't get accounted for when you're in your 20s. And then as a comic, it's like you obviously draw a lot of what you talk about from your life and your day-to-day -day yes. life. And so what is that? algorithm like in terms of like okay th what happens to you on a day to day is probably pretty dominated like most people by your three year old and yes. figuring out like how to talk about that you know how to figure out how to talk about that but not talk to people who are like this is completely foreign to me and even if it's talking to people that it isn't foreign to, how do you do something that hasn't been said before and that isn't hacky and isn't expected from a quote unquote dad comic? How do you avoid being a quote unquote dad comic and just a comic that a child, children is part of their set? I mean, right after the, you know, I started going back out on the road, like March 2022. I don't know why I'm saying 2022. <laughs> <laughs> but like I planned to record an hour and I told myself I have two years of stuff to talk about here. And the set I was working on before the pandemic, we'll put that to the side because the thing that's important is the pandemic happened. I had a child during this miserable time. Mm. And it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And to ignore that is me being a bad comedian. And regardless of who gets it and who doesn't, this is a necessary document I have to put out of this stage in my right. life. And so, you know, I had a ton of stuff. I had hours of writing, but to discover what was something that was original and what was something that every parent goes through that has been talked about to death? It was especially hard because I wasn't around a bunch of like parents and future parents because of the pandemic. We were separated. Mm. There were no classes where we're meeting other parents. There isn't walking around and seeing a pregnant couple. There wasn't like going to the hospital and talking to doctors and we're both there. It was very remote. And so like a lot of the stuff where I'm like, this is a common experience. I didn't know. Mm. Or this is a thing that every parent comic talks about. I didn't know. So I had to discover what was still my voice, what was still original, what was something that only something through my lens could give you. And that took a while to figure out what that was. How do you 
still be cynical about the world yet have hope because you love this child and figuring out that space was really was really hard how do i talk about race in this context and it was like talking about like tucker carlson talking about the white minority and people of color taking over and for me that resonated because it's like are you talking about my kid Mm. are you talking about like interracial couples like me my partner Mm. like it hit me in a way that was so much deeper than just morally wrong you're hurting my heart Mm -hmm. you're hurting my family and so the rage that comes out there is like the rage of a parent Mm -hmm. and of a son and of a partner who has this world and is excited about creating it with with somebody you're hurting that and that hurts me and so it's also come like talking about things from a very new point of view that maybe subject matter i've talked about before but it's coming from a different part of the body. Yeah. And it's coming out, which is the great thing about comics. It's coming out somehow as like universally funny and connected, you know, which I think yes. is the gift. We are talking to Harry Kondabolu and we will be right back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. So Hari, tell us about Vacation Baby. It brings in your pandemic parenting, your experience as a new parent, and the sort of before and after, right? I mean, it was a special, like, I feel like I had no choice but to make. Like, what am I going to talk about after the pandemic and having a kid? Am I just going to talk about the world as if that never happened? And, you know, having a child during that period was so bizarre because it's like you're surrounded by death and all of a sudden you bring a child into the world and... You know, there's a part of me that feels this incredible guilt about it because 
you know, when people talk about 2020, it's always with the sadness. And when I talk about it, it's like best year of my life. Mm. Like my child was born that year. And it's a very bizarre feeling to hold that year with like this great love because, you know, not only was my child born, but I got to spend every day of the pregnancy with my partner. I got to spend every day of the first year of my child's life with him. I mean, that is a privilege that many of us don't get. And I got that because I couldn't work and I had to be home. And, you know, I think there's something about that. So I feel like it's a very specific experience that other parents, especially first time parents during 2021, can relate to. And I wanted to make something in part for them because I'm like, I know what it felt like to feel isolated and to not feel like we had other people that we could talk to and relate to. And I feel like this special is my way of saying, we saw you. We didn't see you in real life because we couldn't see anybody, but we see you. And I know you see us. And this is a special bond that we have. I think it's really interesting that your take on having a pandemic baby is so positive. Like we've obviously talked to a lot of parents. We did not have infants during the pandemic. Spoiler alert, our kids are a little bit older, but (laughs) we mostly have talked to people about what an absolute nightmare it was to have a baby during the pandemic. And I know there were obviously aspects of that, but Can you talk a little bit about the positives and how you explore that in the special? Because I think it is a little bit of a different take than we've heard. I'll start with the negatives just to be able to relate. Like, yeah, it it was terrible. We were stuck in a studio apartment (laughs) while my partner was pregnant. Also, I'll say it was a lot harder for her because I'm not the one carrying the child. And so the idea of going to doctor's visits, I'm sad I can't support her, but she was the one going by herself. You know, she was the one that was worried about being on the subway and being in public while caring because she didn't want to get sick and didn't want the baby to get sick. And we didn't know how bad this was. And and but we knew we were, you know, wiping down food with disinfectants. Like we didn't know how bad this was going to get. And so that fear is very different when you're carrying a kid than you're just the the observer. Right. Right. And so we left New York. You know, we were living in New York and we ended up moving to San Diego where her parents are. And it's just more spread out. And we got to like live and actually have a life there. But packing up your apartment, putting it into storage during a pandemic mm-hmm. while your partner is pregnant and not having a place to live when you move back to New York because the lease is up and then having to move cross country with a three month old and moving into a new apartment after that. Like that whole process was incredibly hard. But the biggest takeaway for me, despite all that, was we were together and we spent every moment together. And there's a connection the three of us have, me, my partner, my child, that is feels so incredibly strong because we went through this together, whether the kid was present in the world or wasn't like we were in it together. We were traveling through this together. We were, you know, we were scared to death together, but we were completely bonded. And I cannot tell you how special that year was, despite how brutal it was, even for us and for everyone else. It seems to me like maybe you don't know what you don't know in some ways, too. Like, I was going to ask you questions yeah. about, does Arjun have more stranger danger than other kids or whatever? But but if it's your first child, you don't necessarily know how they're going to act at Target or whatever, as opposed to other kids. The thing that we found so sad is even at three, four, five months, you could tell he was a very social kid who had mm. no one to be social oh, yeah. with. 
And it was really kind of like, oh, you're just hungry. Whenever you see somebody new, you're so excited. And when the masks came off, you were like, they have noses and mouths. Like they're, it's not just mom and dad. You really think that must be a little odd for kids who grew <laughs> yes. up in that time of like, wait a minute. Yeah. You're just seeing eyes and you're, you're like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, just like full faces and expressions and smiles. And he was so, you could, the excitement when he met his first kid that was around his age. It was his right, cousin who was a year older <laughs> and was just like, he was all over him, so excited. Like, there's someone else that's almost my height. Like, it was, you know, I feel worse for the parents that had the two-year-olds during that time and had needed these formative experiences and they couldn't get them. Yeah. That, to me, is the, the more brutal. And in some ways, we got lucky that, you know, his development was happening a little bit later. But I, I think it really is true. And the pandemic is interesting how I'm like, oh, that thing where we didn't go outside for two years. Like it just is things synthesize into your life in really interesting ways. But I do find we're five. I have three kids and that there is a certain togetherness of the five of us that is directly related to the pandemic, that we mm. still kind of come together. I just think now I, my kids are off with their friends and they can kind of ride bikes and go out and stuff. But there is something that was very bonding about the pandemic in a yes. way that, you know, we, of course, acknowledge the horribleness of the pandemic for, you know, people we knew personally, people we didn't know was a horrible experience. But I like that focus on that bond that came out of it because I think that's something that I only really realize how profound it was in retrospect. The pandemic, I think, gave us all, whether you had a kid or not, a certain perspective of what life is really supposed to be about. Like the idea of working at home, being present with your family, prioritizing your family over work. You know, why do we need to go into a workplace? You know, the idea of like, we're trying to build more team spirit. You know, what's more important than team spirit is your family mm -hmm. and building a strong family unit. And if we actually care about families as much as we talk about, like that of working from home and creating certain accommodations is just. And I think we all experience that, you know, whether you had a kid or not, like being with the people you love is the most valuable time you can spend. And it's obviously awful how we got there. But I think for a lot of us, it's like, I don't want to go back to the way it was before. This is a lot healthier. Yeah. I don't want to have to travel hours at a time to and from work every day when I don't need to. And that's another two hours with my partner, with my child, with my parents. Like that time is super valuable and, and we felt it. You have uh, sort of a reputation. I don't know if this is the correct term of being a political comedian to a certain degree, yeah. having worked on shows that have a political bent. How do you see that dovetailing with like being a parent? Are there political aspects to sure. being a parent or is that is there a separation there? I mean, for me, there's never a separation, mm. you know, because I feel like, you know, because I have a tough time even seeing it as political. Right. Like, political. And that's why I tried like, to hedge it a little bit, because I know political yeah. gets a little bit like you talk about the world. It's political. Like, yeah, it's kind of political <laughs> right. to be alive. That's exactly how I feel. It's this feeling of like. Every action, everything we do, the choices we make, they're all political. And I don't really talk as much about Republicans, Democrats. Like that to me is like talking about sports. And I can talk sports. That's fine. Sure. It's but the actual time. issues that people deal with, mm. you know, those are not political to me. Mm. Like, you know, whether you have enough f food to feed your child, if do you have health care, if your kid gets sick, these are not political things to me. They shouldn't be political. So those are the kinds of things I like to talk about. When I talk about racism, racism isn't a political thing. It's a lived experience right. that, you know, we all deal with regardless of race. Like, I don't think 
there are white people that love living with the awkwardness of race, the mm-hmm. way we have to deal with it in this country and feel disconnected from other human beings as a result. Like, to me, those are bigger things. And when I think about my kid, you know, I certainly think about I think about the books I'm reading to him. Mm. And, you know, is he understanding there's two you can have two mommies or two daddies or one mommy and one daddy. Can you understand that gender is this thing where, like, you know, there's boys and girls, but some people don't choose to be either. And that's part of it. How do you explain these things? And does do the books kind of illustrate that diversity? You know, there's this wonderful book we've been reading. We are all welcome here. And it's this really sweet book where it's just kids in a class and you see a diverse range of kids. And I'm showing him like, like that's a headscarf and that's a turban. And there's a kid with glasses and that's somebody without. And, you know, I want my kid to understand that the norm that you're going to see is not necessarily going to be reflected in all the media you watch, mm. but this is the norm. There, everyone is part of our world. Look and at you with your radical politics saying, <laughs> right. we are all welcome here. I mean, my God, way to go out on the edge there, Harry. I just, I mean, I love it. And also even there's this book called Brown that I've been reading with him. And it's just sweet. It's about a family that has many different shades of brown in their mm-hmm. family. And it's just so sweet. And you see like the mom is this and the dad's this. And, you know, you know, there's just this, Huge looks. I want him to see that, like, family doesn't mean skin color. Right. Family is a much bigger idea. So those things aren't political to me. That's preparing my child for a world I want to see in a world that exists. Yeah. We need a, like, long German word instead of political. That's like, <laughs> that's like, we understand the human experience <laughs> from a range of different points of view. Oh, that's Not funny. just, you know, you're political because you think that's all people so should be welcome funny. in a classroom. That's You're right. That we don't have a word that, like, I love that about the German language yes. is that there's really really specific, complicated emotions that can be boiled yeah. down that for us takes so many words or essays to explain. Exactly. Like, that's unbelievable. Can, that's so funny. Can I ask, when we're talking about representation, that it matters, I just wanted to connect for our listeners that you also created the documentary, The Problem with Apu, which yeah. was 2017. And yeah. it's about the character of Apu from The Simpsons, who was historically voiced by Hank Azaria, a white actor, yeah. the only yeah. South Asian character on the simpsons and voiced by a white person and you sort of just you know circled it in a very light and funny way in this documentary that that's problematic for a kid and i think everybody was sort of like wait what and it was not that long ago and (laughs) there's been a huge change in conversation since then so how do you feel about that the conversation that you helped to change i feel a lot different about it now to be honest since i had the kid Mm. because when i put it out there To me, it wasn't an overly complex idea, but I think the pushback I got, death threats, hate mail, a certain venom that I got towards like me questioning a stereotypical cartoon character and really saying like, I understand why the time period it was created in, but like I had to grow up with it. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that, you know, that's going to have an impact when you don't see yourself on screen. And this is the only way you see yourself, your family, your world is boiled down to this. And so to me, it wasn't like an overly complicated thing, but it led to all this feedback. And for a long time, I've just hated the fact that like, uh, I get known for this thing. Like Mm. I make this documentary about hating my connection to this stereotypical cartoon character. And as a result of making it, I'm forever connected to this cartoon uh-huh. character. Like, the irony mm. of that is 
is hard. And plus the fact that like the intellectual conversation I really hoped we would have, it's not that it didn't happen, but it didn't happen as much as people not seeing the film and hating me for making it. Hating the film, but not really knowing what it's about. Making arguments about why I'm wrong that are actually covered in the film because they didn't see it. Mm. And at the end of the day, it just becomes fodder for a quote-unquote political correctness conversation or a conversation about sensitivity and we can't do anything anymore. And it's like, that's not what the documentary is about. If anything, it's free speech questioning free speech. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is ultimately what you're supposed to be doing. And it's a criticism of popular culture which, you know, who taught me that? The Simpsons taught me that. Like, th- that, they, that, that's, that was my favorite show. Like, this is coming from a fan's perspective and that complicated relationship. Since I've had the kid, it's interesting because I think about the fact that I think I've made his life maybe a little better. Mm. In my own way, like, I've called this to attention and all of a sudden I'm hoping he's not going to grow up with those images Mm -hmm. being portrayed where he thinks that's normal and that's the only way that a group of people exist. And the fact that there's going to be voice actors of color who get to Mm -hmm. do those voices and and that the representation is going to be broader. There's a TV series on uh, Disney Plus called Mira Royal Detective Mm -hmm. and all South Asians voice it. And I got to voice a few characters in it too. And I met with which is a thrill, like a full circle moment. And I spoke to the person who created the show, who's, who's a white guy, and he said how when we decided to create the show, we had all the writers in a room and all the producers, and we played your film for them. And we said, like, this is what we're not trying to do. Mm. And there's a spirit that the show should have that reflects the reality of today. And, you know, he told me how much of an inspiration my sh- film, Problem with Apu, was in creating that TV show, which means the world to me, just because that means there's a generation of kids, South Asian or not, they're growing up with this really much more complicated and interesting vision of South Asian kids and South Asian people. And knowing that I contributed to that feels amazing. Even talking to Hank, because Ari and I are friends now, which is lovely, and Hank telling me, you know, on The Simpsons, the characters of color are now voiced by people of color. And their backstories have gotten more interesting and complicated. And that's because you gave people a reason to. You forced the issue. And even though they haven't brought a poo back because they're afraid of what to do with it right. or whatever, like the fact there has been this positive impact, it makes me feel good. And it's funny. I got uh, some tweet from somebody who I think was trying to hurt me and really missed the mark. Said, that's a lot of tweets. That's a lot of it. It's like, you know, how are you going to explain to your Kim how you ruined the Simpsons and the Apu character? And I'm like, first of all, my kid's not going to know what that is. Yeah, right. First of all, the Simpsons is not going to, like, kids today don't know what the Simpsons is. So, one. Two, I think he's going to be proud, like, at the end of the day, because I don't think I'm wrong. And I'm pretty sure society is going to go in that direction just as it did with Amos and Andy and every other stereotypical yeah. piece of art we put out and then realize like, nah, yeah. it might be what maybe wasn't. A good I'll day. take the over under on your kid at 20 being like, dad, oh. you really messed up the Simpsons. I don't think that's <laughs> right. what it's going to be. It's like the what it makes me think of because we talked to, you know, so many parents is like you're coming into a very dad perspective on life as opposed to like non-dad perspective. A parent perspective on life is really about legacy. It's really about the long game and you're moving away from like what we have all had, which is like the young person's perspective on life, which is like, what does my week look like? How did what I do affect this week? Because the dad game is a long game. 
the day looks different. I mean, it's not even about, there's so, like, if my kid was here right now, we're not doing this podcast, right? right? Like, this is a complete, like, he dictates, you know, where my time is spent. And yeah, I'm grateful, you know, as hard as it makes me work harder, to be honest, because I have a reason to work harder, not just because it's very easy when you have a freelance type job to like, like, especially when, and in our test artistic profession to feel romantic, mm-hmm. like I'll get it done when it has to get done. I, <laughs> nope. The jokes will come when right. they come. No, no. And no, when I had the kid, <laughs> I was like, I don't have time to be away all year to figure this out. I'm giving myself three to four months to tour. We're going to come up with the hour and we're going to record it yeah. regardless of where it's at because it needs to get done. And that's something I never would have done without a child because I know the most valuable time I could spend is with him. And so I need to drive myself as hard as I can when I have the time and also like make sure my partner is OK with like, hey, this is going to be a rough four months. It's going to end with this product. But like I'm, we have to be on the same page on that. Right. And, and it's a lot. But you know what? Completely worth it. Completely worth it. We've been talking to Hari Kondabalu. His stand up special vacation baby is available on YouTube right now. It's absolutely hilarious. We'll put the link in the show notes. But Hari, tell our listeners where else they can find you on the Internet. Sure. Um, there's also a longer version of Vacation Baby that I put out that's 25 minutes longer with more jokes and stuff I didn't put into the YouTube special. So if you want to support my work, I, the YouTube special is free. But if you want to support the work, you can go to Bandcamp and it's 12 bucks on there. No pressure. I realize there's a free option. But just remember, I am the father of a small child. <laughs> no pressure. But there is a three-year-old who needs food involved. Yeah, and daycare is... <laughs> and we'll put music under this. We'll put sad music under this part. Right. You know, I could raise him in front of a television, but I wanted him to go That's to daycare. That's not what and we want for him, people. So but, but I'm just saying it, it's there. Other than that, uh, Hari Kundabolu and, on Instagram and Twitter and all the different socials and... Uh, I really appreciate you both having me on. It really also is nice to talk to other parents. It's still like a a treat and a privilege to me to have other parents to talk to. So thank you. Awesome. So nice talking to you. Thanks. Thanks, Ari. Thank you. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know 
while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 